0: you're watching global bc this is global news hour at six
1: good evening and thanks for joining us violent crime is top of mind tonight in several bc communities in surrey where a teenage boy was stabbed to death on a transit bus last night
0: new information in that case coming up and also in nanaimo where the premier and public safety minister unveiled new measures to address repeat offenders but as richard zussman reports Many in the community were having none of it, including a recent shooting victim.
2: Do something about it. That's what we're trying to do. A whole lot less lip service and a whole lot more action is required, Mike. A greeting from an angry community. None of you guys, after I got shot, made a single effort to communicate with me. Front and centre, Clint Smith. It was a month ago the local business owner was shot trying to retrieve stolen items from a homeless encampment. Smith getting right in the face of Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth with the support of others. I
3: don't feel safe. It's the first time I've, you know, I carry a knife now.
2: FRUSTRATED LOCAL RESIDENTS ALSO LETTING PREMIER DAVID E.B. KNOW HOW THEY FEEL.
4: REVOLVING DOOR CRIMINAL JUSTICE HAS FAILED THE CITIZENS OF NANAIMO. IT'S FAILING THE CITIZENS OF BRITISH COLUMBIA.
2: NANAIMO, GROUND ZERO FOR THE PROVINCE'S ONGOING CRIME AND MENTAL HEALTH CRISIS. THE PREMIER ANNOUNCING THE CITY, ALONG WITH 11 OTHER COMMUNITIES, WILL BE HOME TO A HUB TARGETING REPEAT VIOLENT OFFENDERS.
5: THERE IS A LOT TO DO AND WE'RE NOT GOING TO SOLVE THESE PROBLEMS OVERNIGHT. But we are going to show progress for British Columbians the direction that we're going. And the only way that we're going to get there is together. Recent numbers
2: show severe crime up 44% here in Nanaimo. And there have been similar increases in other cities across the province. Those at the event on Wednesday say they won't be happy with this announcement until they see those numbers go down. We want uh, prolific offenders placed in jail. We want
6: the victims... To be looked at and looked after and feel safe to walk this very street in front
3: of the courthouse.
2: The government is also improving information sharing between police agencies and working with Ottawa to amend bail conditions for chronic repeat offenders.
7: Repeat offenders don't know political boundaries or municipal boundaries and it takes a strong coordinated effort between not only the police agencies in those different communities but also the prosecutors.
2: The hope is the measures will work and soon... To prevent this frustration...
8: Somebody should be able to say, okay, enough procrastination.
2: ...from boiling over even further. Richard Ossman Global News, Nanaimo.
1: And now to Surrey, where IHIT is investigating that fatal stabbing on a transit bus. The victim, just 17 years old. Krista Dow is live with more on this tragedy and breaking details about the victim, Krista.
9: Sophie, we're learning the identity of the 17-year-old teen boy who was fatally stabbed right here in Surrey. And we're also learning more details about what may have happened last night. Now, family members have identified the 17-year-old as Ethan Bestflag. Now, we spoke to his aunt just moments ago, and she tells us that Ethan takes transit all the time, and he was actually texting his mother while on the bus and was on his way home from a friend's house and says he was afraid. Now, that text message coming about... 30 minutes, according to his aunt, before he would be fatally stabbed.
8: He texted his mom and said, there's some kids threatening me, and I'm scared. And that was the last text that he got out. He was a good kid. He had four younger sisters and brothers. He worked. He went to school. He got good grades. He wasn't in trouble. He wasn't a bad kid. The fact that he ended up in this situation is horrible. And it could be any of our kids now. You know, sitting on a bus just going to meet your mom shouldn't mean that you're going to lose your life. Now, this latest attack,
9: just uh, the latest in a string of violent assaults along Metro Vancouver Transit. And we spoke to several transit users today who say they're very concerned for their safety and very concerned about taking public transit now. Despite life-saving measures, paramedics unable to save the 17-year-old boy. The victim's injuries too severe and he later died in hospital. As a parent, this is
10: every parent's you know, absolute worst nightmare and it is absolutely tragic.
9: The violent attack unfolding on a Surrey transit bus just before 9.30 Tuesday night along King George Boulevard near Holland Park. Police say there was some type of altercation on the bus but it's unclear what was said. The homicide is believed to be isolated, though. Has transit riders worried for their own safety?
7: That concerns me because I'm a man with disability, right? And of course, you know, I mean, um, how am I supposed to get away?
10: Unsafe? What do you do? I don't
9: drive, so I have no choice. And with no suspect in custody, police canine units were out Wednesday afternoon scouring the scene for clues.
11: Thankfully, there was a lot of people in the area uh, that were able to provide us some insight. We're working to build uh, an idea of who that suspect is.
9: In the past two weeks, Vancouver Transit. On April 1st, a man allegedly slashed a stranger's throat on board a Surrey bus. The victim now recovering, and the suspect is facing terrorism charges. Transit Police says
12: it's increasing patrols to quell public safety concerns. Our officers are noticing an increase in level of calls that have a mental health component, have a violence component, or even weapons component, and it's shocking. It
13: happens everywhere,
1: so we have to do something. It's not safe. You catch these people, then they're right out in the streets again. There's no justice here. All right, Krista, in addition to public patrols, what resources are there for transit users aside from calling police?
9: Well, Sophie Transit Police telling me that if anyone is afraid, they can always text 877777 and someone will respond both by text and in person to that location. And uh, just really encouraging people to continue to remain vigilant and keep their eyes peeled as concern growing over public safety on Metro Vancouver Transit. Sophie.
1: All right, thanks for that. Krista Dow reporting live for us. Now, according to Transit Police Statistics for 2022, the number of calls for crimes against people climbed 15 percent from just over 1,300 to just over 1,500 transit officers also dealing with a 13 percent increase in mental health apprehensions last year, responding to 255 events. At the same time, reports of property crimes on transit fell 1.8 percent.
0: Organized labor is stepping up its opposition to Vancouver's ongoing decampment of Hastings Street. The B.C. Federation of Labor says it condemns what it calls the... Callous, dehumanizing tactics used by Mayor Ken Sims' administration, dismantling encampments in Vancouver's downtown east side. The city, though, defends its actions, saying police are seeing fewer weapons along Hastings and fire crews report a 30 percent decline in fires in the downtown east side since the decampment began. The city says crews took down 94 tents and other structures in the first two days. And now, attention is turning to another encampment at Crab Park.
5: For Crab Park specifically, there's an injunction in place uh, that needs to be addressed by the city. Uh, We're working with the city to make sure that we decamp that site, get people into housing safely and out of the park. Uh, There's more work to do there.
0: The Vancouver Park Board has been trying to move people living at the park, but a judge blocked that move last year siding with campers who argued the board has not proven there is suitable shelter available to house people forced out of their tents.
1: Now, much of that is happening within sight of Vancouver's cruise ship terminal. A highly anticipated 2023 season kicks off in Vancouver today with the arrival of the first ship.
0: And some wonder what will await passengers if they wander too far from the ship. Jennifer Palma has that story.
14: The sunrise welcoming the first cruise ship of the 2023 season. The Sapphire Princess stopping in Vancouver, bringing with it hope this season will be a record-setting one.
8: We are expecting this year to see another 8% increase on top of what we saw last year, which was a record year at 307 vessels. This year at another 8% increase, we're actually expecting 331 ships
14: this year. If the ships come in full, there could be upwards of 1.3 million passengers flooding the area around Canada Place. Good news for local businesses.
15: Excited that, you know, it's been three years since COVID and just seeing the traffic again is very exciting.
14: But there is a concern as the downtown core has seen recent serious cases of violence as well as an increase in homelessness.
7: It's been a rough period. Uh, I know they got rid of the tents recently. Um, You know, sad to see how that's all playing out. But at the same time, I do see that being a need. Uh, And, you know, it's helped out a lot of businesses because it's really hard to get people to come into a store if a tent's out front and, you know, all about safety concerns.
14: Safety is something the industry and Destination Vancouver says is top of mind. We know there are situations, there
8: are areas within our city that people might be a little bit concerned about traveling into, but we want to encourage them to make sure that they're, they are venturing out into all of our local neighborhoods.
7: It is always a concern. We want to always put our best foot forward as a province, right, when we're hosting people from outside of Canada.
14: The province and city of Vancouver have been taking action to try and improve safety and homelessness but navigating requires help from
1: many partners. The healthier that our communities are uh, allows for resilience but there's also a lot of action that needs to be taken. Our government's taking that now but uh, there's not a silver bullet.
14: Both the minister and industry add the focus to keep tourism going is to make people feel welcome as each ship brings $3 million into the local economy. Jennifer Palma, Global
0: News. The province is announcing a partnership with Metro Vancouver to build 2,000 affordable homes over the next decade. The agreement says Metro Vancouver will identify priority sites starting with five in Vancouver, Burnaby, Pitt Meadows and Coquitlam. Those sites will see a total of 660 new homes built. B.C. Housing Minister Ravi Kalan says this memorandum of understanding is important to get much-needed housing built.
15: This is the type of partnership we need to address the housing crisis. We know that we don't have enough affordable housing units in the province. Two decades of underinvestment, and the chickens have come home to roost. So we need a lot more of these partnerships to address the housing crisis that we have.
0: Additional sites for new affordable housing projects will be announced at a later date.
15: Well, B.C.'s
1: challenging housing market could have a long-term impact on millennials. A new study suggests the inability to buy a home may make for a difficult retirement. And Madagahi now on the big difference as you grow older between renting and owning.
11: They are most famously known as the avocado toast generation. Arranging between age 27 and 42 today, this is the first cohort of people to grow up completely immersed in the internet.
10: We started to become very interested with this millennial generation for really three reasons.
11: To understand just how much their high cost of living, increased debt and weaker investments are setting millennials back compared to their parents. Financial consulting company Mercer tried to figure out if they can retire at old age and just how. What they found is there is a big difference between those who rent and those who have managed to get into a difficult real estate market.
10: That person who has to rent is going to have a significant reduction in that quality of life in retirement because of that fixed cost and not being able to have that equity.
11: Mercer found millennial renters need to save 50% more than homeowners to retire.
10: The renter would actually have to work longer in order to reach that, reach that same amount of pre-retirement income. The renter has to work until age 68, whereas the homeowner can work until age 65.
11: But with the price of real estate simply out of reach in Vancouver, most people this age say that they are happy if they can even find affordable rent.
10: It's kind of more paycheck to paycheck. There's no really room for thought about thinking uh, to plan for retirement. Uh, something that you kind of leave
6: until... Uh, a TOMORROW YOU PROBLEM. I DON'T THINK ABOUT ANY FUTURE FINANCES
1: RIGHT NOW.
11: I'M JUST BANKING ON MY, my PARENTS' INHERITANCE ONE DAY. <laughs> IT IS SAD THOUGH, BECAUSE it's, IT'S HARD TO SAVE MONEY, ESPECIALLY LIVING IN VANCOUVER. you don't have, DON'T HAVE THAT MUCH AND A LOT GOES to RENT. THE MERCER STUDY COUNTS ON PEOPLE STARTING THEIR SAVINGS AT AGE 25, BUT THE REALITY IS MANY WILL HAVE TO START MUCH LATER IN LIFE, IF AT ALL. And when they are finally ready to think about retirement, they will have to ask themselves.
10: Is it really age 65, right? Is it potentially a little bit older? And how can you change your lifestyle now to meet those goals?
11: Emma Agahi, Global News.
0: Well, the Bank of Canada is holding steady, keeping its key interest rate at 4.5%. The central bank says it wants to assess the impact of a year's worth of successive rate hikes before taking any more action. Global's Anne Gaviola has more on how it could impact your finances. Inflation is coming down quickly and it's forecast to be about 3% this summer. The economy is expected
2: to grow modestly even as inflation comes down. This is good news, but is not job done.
16: Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem describing a scenario in which inflation comes down but Canada avoids a recession. But a lot needs to happen to get us there. Canadians' perception that inflation will stay high needs to change, wage increases must moderate, and businesses need to stop hiking prices. Analyst James Laird says this may mark the end of the central bank's tightening cycle.
5: Canadians should expect more rate holds to come uh, unless there's some surprising data
7: in the months ahead.
16: Real estate expert Victor Tran sees a boost for the housing market.
7: I think it will instill some confidence in home buyers. Uh, and even home sellers as well, too. It kind of signals that we may be at the end of these rate hikes.
16: But the central bank is leaving the door open to more hikes, if needed, to tame inflation.
2: If monetary policy is not restrictive enough to get us all the way back to the 2% target, we are prepared to raise the policy rate further to get there.
16: But on the heels of the recent collapse and rescue of three regional banks in the U.S. and the bailout of Credit Suisse, a systemically important bank, many wonder if that's prudent. This week, the International Monetary Fund warned of economic turbulence lurking beneath the surface, especially for the world's wealthiest nations. Market watchers expect a rate cut by year's end, bringing the Bank of Canada's key interest rate from 4.5% to four and 4.25%. But that could come with a recession or economic downturn. Now, Macklem says that is not the most likely scenario, but as we've seen in recent weeks, a lot can change on a dime. Anne Gaviola, Global News, Toronto.
1: It's a political rebirth. Goodbye, B.C. Liberals. Hello, B.C. United. What leader Kevin Falcon is promising as his party begins a new era. That's next on the News NewsHour.
0: I've always loved making different outfits. The grade eight teacher who gets an A for fashion with a growing audience on TikTok coming up on the News Hour and
1: shoes no one will ever wear again. The astonishing price these Air Jordans went for at auction later.
0: Right now, though Shakespeare once po- once pondered what's in a name. Well, Kevin Falcon and his new BC United Party are about to find out.
1: Gone are the BC Liberals as BC United's logo with teal and pink branding, is unveiled. But as Keith Baldry reports, it's unclear if the fancy rebrand will be enough to beat the NDP and return to power.
7: I said from the beginning when I ran to be leader of this party that I wasn't going to do it unless the party was prepared to undergo really big renewal.
15: And with a big renewal comes a big name change. BC Liberal is out. BC United is in. New name, new logo, new colours.
7: I love the new colors because they're so not political. Um, You know, there's a little bit of a nod to our history. You know, the... Red and blue are the typical liberal and conservative colours, and we've now got you know pink and teal, which is more of a vibrant, updated version of that.
17: And here's a classic example of why nothing ever gets done in the province of British Columbia. Right here, you saw it.
15: This was really the moment the modern BC Liberal Party began. The 1991 election saw the party replace the Aging Social Credit Party as a so-called free enterprise coalition. It took power in 2001 and held it for 16 years before the NDP ousted them after the 2017 That long track record is something the NDP Premier says cannot be replaced by a new name.
5: For the priorities of the BC Liberals, uh, their priority right now is to change their name. I definitely understand why. I don't think it will change their legacy in this province.
15: One political scientist says the name change may attract more conservative-oriented voters, but notes that Kevin Falcon also has to ensure he doesn't lose any progressive voters under the new name. The challenge,
5: I think, for Kevin Falcon is to reach out uh, to former BC Liberal voters who grew disenchanted with the party, and those are more progressive-minded voters in the lower mainland. And changing the the name away from a progressive-sounding name to to BC United uh, makes it, I think, a little bit more difficult for for Kevin Falcon to, to reach out to those voters.
15: Ever since the name change to BC United was first announced, there were joking references that it sounded like a soccer team. But Kevin Falcon actually likes that comparison. I love BC United. and I want people because actually politics is a team
7: sport. And, you know, just like a soccer team, uh, it's no different in a political party. It's a team sport. And so, yes, we're leaning into that. I think it'll be great.
1: Well, time will tell. Let's bring in Keith Baldry for more now. Keith, uh, the big night for the BC United kicked off with Mm -hmm. a video reflecting perhaps how this new party wants
15: to be viewed. Yeah, Kevin Falcon, I've had conversations with him on a very key challenge facing the Liberals. They basically, as the NDP got young, more women, and more ethnically diverse, the Liberals went the opposite direction in recent years, and they paid the price at the ballot box. You've got to better reflect your diverse community if you want to have political success. Here's the video that was played just before Kevin Falcon entered the event tonight. You're going to see a bunch of young people, about a half dozen young people, um, most of them young women, and we're talking, and also ethnically diverse uh, people, talking about the need to be united under one party. So these are young people, ethnically diverse, primarily women, and again, people in their 20s, it seems. And this is not the face of the Liberals that we saw in the last two elections. It was very much an older, uh, graying party, not really young, not ethnically diverse, and not particularly uh, attracting women as candidates. That is changing, though, and Kevin Falcon acknowledges it has to change if they want to uh, achieve electoral success in BC. And I think this video reflects where Ke- Kevin Falcon wants to take the party. But as Hamish Telford points out, there's a lot of challenges here. It's not just a name change that's required here if they want to win back power in B.C. A whole lot of moving parts are involved here and it takes time to make a a brand change. But perhaps the B.C. Liberal brand was broken in Kevin Falcon's eyes and that's a big reason they're moving on to this new name with new colours, teal teal and coral are the new colours of the B.C. Liberals. The red uh, dominance is gone.
1: Two more colours we cannot wear on election night. All right, thanks for that, Keith.
0: It is true. All right, thanks to Keith. Also, coming up a little later, a mother finds meaning in her son's tragic death.
13: We want to humanize Jacob.
0: Why she's sharing the story of losing her son to the toxic drug crisis.
1: But first, another major bust that keeps some of those potentially deadly drugs off our streets. Over top of the Alex Fraser Bridge, where we have a stall for
8: southbound on the 91. It is blocking the left lane on the approach to the bridge deck, causing heavy backup. And Integra Tower is proud to serve the communities they are part of. Contact your local dealer today and get up to $100 in tire rebates. Integra Tire, truly local. High above the Alex Fraser Bridge in Global One, I'm Jennifer Lee.
1: Several B.C. police forces are touting major busts they say have taken millions of dollars of deadly drugs
0: off the streets. But at least one addiction activist says while it is progress, it's still not enough. Kylie Stanton reports.
2: Police seized nearly 28 kilograms of fentanyl, as well as 2 kilograms of cocaine, 800 grams of methamphetamine and $365,000 in cash.
8: It's the result of yet another drug bust that shut down a major fentanyl lab, this time in a residential Richmond neighborhood.
2: The value of these drugs is estimated to be $7.8 million.
8: And the list goes on. Over $68,000 of cash, uh, two replica handguns, uh, over a kilo of cocaine. Different jurisdiction, same story during the search uh, we uncovered copious amounts of drugs money as well as a stick of dynamite both vancouver police and west shore rcmp outlining the success of their respective investigations wednesday highlighting the impact this will have on drug trafficking operations in the province the amount of lives uh, that have potentially been saved here that uh, would have otherwise been affected by consuming these drugs is significant
2: especially fentanyl which is the main driver of the ongoing illicit drug toxicity crisis in BC.
8: But as impressive as the seizures are, there's concern they won't even make a dent, at least in the long term. These drug busts happen regularly. We've seen them happen for years. Have they made any difference in what's going on now with the deaths and the overdoses uh, from toxic drugs? No, Uh,
16: things have only become worse.
8: Advocates say turning things around requires taking the market away from organized crime while providing treatment opportunities for those who are addicted. It's in a way simple economics and it will make a difference. Officers admit there is much more work that needs to be done to address BC's overdose crisis and the criminals that profit from it. You know, for any officer, uh, you kind of feel like you're chasing the tail of something, really. In both cases, arrests have been made and charges are forthcoming. But the suspects have since been released as the investigation continues. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
0: An Abbotsford mother who lost her son to an overdose is sharing her family's story. Jacob Wilson died in 2021, three years after he was badly hurt in a car crash. His mother has now produced a video detailing her son's struggles and her family's fight to try to get him the help he needed. And a warning, some of the images in this story might be distressing. Grace Key reports.
13: And you're asking for help and there's nowhere to get it. I miss him so badly. Abbotsford School Trustee Shirley Wilson shares the story of her son Jacob, who died from an accidental fentanyl overdose, and describes a system that failed him when he wanted help. My son called the crisis line on a Friday at 7.30, and they gave him a phone number for Monday at 10. One would think that we would load the front end. By the time someone gets to the bed situation, then they're already so far into the situation that... It's much harder to bring them back.
8: Completely run over,
13: but not trapped. Jacob was 21 when he was in a horrific accident. He developed psychosis made worse with his drug use. He wanted help, even paying $40,000 of his own money for a spot in a private recovery home after getting rejected at three others. And they said, no, we can't take you. If you, if you come through a couple things, maybe we can reconsider. In my view, that's like a, a cancer clinic saying, come back when you're in remission. In twenty twenty one, Jacob died. He was just twenty-four. In the hours leading up to his death, he went to the Abbotsford Regional Hospital. Sometimes healthcare says, been there, done that. You maybe frequent flyer comes to mind. And they say, No, we can't we can't help you anymore. And Jacob was discharged twice in forty-eight hours before he died. Jacob was witty. He loved music, animals, and his family. People at his recovery home say Jacob saved their lives. But he was a human. His mother made this video with the help of the Abbotsford Police Department to put a face on the numbers. The individuals who die from an overdose are real humans, and we need to humanize them. Jacob and his mother... with the former drug and addictions minister he wanted to share his story and shirley is making sure that happens as she continues to fight for
4: change grace key global news
13: just ahead on the news hour
1: new home hassles
4: they're they're not protecting the rights of the homeowner it doesn't feel like
1: after problems with the flooring he finds a major flaw in the warranty he and the warranty he thought would cover it
0: and the looming strike that could impact whether or not you get a tax refund.
8: High above the Massey Tunnel, counterflow was just pulled but not needed at all. No delays in either direction. Integra Tire is proud to serve the communities they are part of. Contact your local dealer today and get up to $100 in tire rebates. Integra Tire, truly local, high above the Massey Tunnel in Global One. I'm Jennifer Lee.
0: A Penticton homeowner is raising some concerns about the new home warranty process.
1: As Global's Taya Fast reports, he claims the new home warranty protects the builder more than the homeowner.
12: Within the first year of moving into a brand new home in Penticton's Skaha Hills, Terry Parkin noticed some deficiencies with his flooring.
4: Yeah, we moved into the home four years ago and we had issues from the outset With our flooring, it was making a lot of noise as well, being walked upon.
12: The flooring was replaced by the installer Sierra flooring at no cost to the homeowners. However, according to Parkin, the same issues arose a month later, so he filed a new home warranty claim through Travelers Canada.
4: Noise throughout the flooring when you walk on it, um, creaking and squeaky noises that emit from the floor.
12: Sierra Flooring was unavailable for an interview, but over the phone, the company owner told Global News that they acknowledged the initial problems and have not been in the home since replacing the floor. The company also stressed that they are committed to finding a resolution.
4: I'd like to see the floor, re- we both like to see the floor replaced, or re- repaired, pardon me. Just within, what do you want? You expect and you buy a new home and you expect your appliances and your flooring and your walls and that to be straight and square and and we just want it repaired. That's all we want.
12: Travelers Canada, the insurer, evaluated the floor and found no issues, while Parkin hired an independent inspector and claims the inspector found several deficiencies.
4: It feels like it's a new home builder's warranty. It feels like the group get together and format their reasons for their denial or their They're not protecting the rights of the homeowner, it doesn't feel like.
12: Parkin says the claim process has been frustrating.
4: It's a new home warranty, and I think it also is for protection of the builder as well. But I don't think, in our case, the homeowner has been um, served properly by by the insurer. That's our viewpoint.
12: Sierra Flooring, for its part, has an appointment to revisit the home later this month in hopes of working with the homeowners to find a solution. Global News did reach out to Travelers Canada, but we did not receive a response to our request for an interview. TFS Global News, Penticton.
1: More than 120,000 federal workers are officially in a strike position as negotiations between the union and federal government are at an impasse. Global's Kyle Benning has more on what the job action could mean across the country.
3: It's a loud message to Ottawa from public service employees. More than 120,000 Treasury Board workers are in a strike position after their union says an overwhelming majority of them voted in favour of job action. The Public Service Alliance of Canada hopes Ottawa will get the message.
8: We're at the table this week uh, and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I, my crystal ball is not that clear, to be honest with you. So what's going to happen over the next two or three days... Uh, will depend on on the government, to be quite honest with you.
3: The federal government says it hopes to reach a deal as soon as possible, and that significant headway has been made in addressing the union's demands. Those include higher wages, more access for remote work, and job security. Ottawa is calling on the union to bargain in good faith. It's really important that that happens
17: at the collective bargaining table. That's where the best and the right deals get get done, and that's why we're going to continue to engage in a constructive way uh, at the bargaining table.
3: The alliance has been negotiating with Ottawa since June 2021, but those talks hit a wall in May 2022. Both sides agreed to mediate a discussions, which are set to end Friday. The result of this vote comes less than a week after 35,000 Canada Revenue Agency employees voted in favour of a strike. Kind of power? Power! As the federal income tax deadline looms, CRA employees could start job action as soon as Friday. Its union is in the final round of negotiations with the government next week. If all bargaining groups were to hit picket lines, it would account for nearly half of all federal public service workers. The union says employees will have to physically strike even if they work remotely.
8: You have to show up at a picket line and of course we'll have picket lines right across the country and we'll make sure even for our members in remote areas that there is a place for them to physically picket.
3: The alliance says job action will impact government programs from grain export delays, immigration application processing Kyle Benning Global News
0: BC's human rights commissioner says she's troubled by the end of mask mandates in healthcare settings Kasari Govender says she's concerned about the impact the decision will have on marginalized and medically vulnerable people Govender admits the social and psychological harms from measures like isolation should also be considered but sees masking as protection rather than a restriction Provincial health officer Dr. Bonnie Henry lifted the mask mandate in hospitals and other health care facilities last week. A vaccine mandate for health workers remains in effect.
1: Coming up, a lesson in fashion. Teacher style doesn't have to be boring. The Ontario teacher going viral for her educational TikTok videos.
0: And coming up in sports, no limits for Elias Pettersson. What hitting the century mark means to him. A lot of beautiful sunshine down here on the south coast.
1: Yes, but it uh, definitely was a different story in the caribou, Christy.
18: Yeah, and we had a number of people actually share photos with us from early this morning and then throughout the morning hours as it continued to feel like winter in that area. So Walter sharing this one from one hundred mile house. And we were below seasonal here across the South Coast area, but at least we were enjoying sunshine and they did catch some breaks of blue sky by the afternoon. But tough go when you see a, a blanket of white uh, this time of spring. But it's very typical for us to have swings like this for this time of year. It's just always a little tough to handle, that's for sure. And especially tough when I show you, this national forecast. I had to show you this. Look at Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal. This is the forecast for uh, their day tomorrow. They're expecting 28 degrees with sunshine. Uh, yes, it has been like that for a couple of days there as well. Now, for our region, it was below seasonal today, despite some sunshine. Typical for this time of year is 14. We're only up to about 11 or 12. Tomorrow will be even cooler as this cloud cover pushes in. We're not expecting widespread rain, but we're certainly going to see a light showers or a light rainfall on and off or showers throughout the day. Breaks of blue sky, though, for the south coast by the afternoon, but we still do have a very slight chance of showers, and certainly a few showers pushes in through the interior, and that will likely start off as flurries for those of you in through the caribou once again. So here's a look at your forecast for your Thursday everyone. Again the chance of flurries in the morning changing over to showers for the caribou region overall though things are going to uh, warm up a touch in through the southern interior with drier conditions. For our region though cooler highs of only 10 degrees cloud and showers in the morning especially breaks of blue sky for by the afternoon. Uh, typical for this time of year is 14. I don't have a 14 as far as I can see uh, so that's a little tough to handle but a at least we've got a bit of sunshine, as you can see, into our Friday before a wet weekend is about to push in. Tonight, central windows, weather window, the snow, where it should be. Mount Aerosmith, thanks to Wayne Dukes for sharing that with us. He captured the photo looking out from the Parksville area. All right, you two, back to you.
1: Beautiful with a blue sky in the background. Thank you, Christy.
0: Sure is. Wow. All right, a pair of Michael Jordan shoes. Jordan's Jordans, if you will, have become the most valuable sneakers ever sold at auction. The
1: basketball legend wore the Air Jordan 13s during the second game of the 1998 NBA Finals, also known as the Last Dance, because it was Jordan's final year with the Chicago Bulls. They are now the most expensive shoes ever sold at auction, netting $2.2 million U.S., the sale smashed the previous record of $1.4 million for a pair of Air Jordans sold back in 2021.
0: Air Jordan 13 breads. You know why they call them breads? Nope. Short for black and red.
1: Oh, so he wore those
0: he during wore those. the second game. Exactly. $2.2 million at least. <laughs> Who knows what will happen next time. What would uh, Pedersen skates go for in 40 years? Not that. probably not
17: unless he won the Stanley Cup there might be a rich Canuck fan who'd want to pay for Mm -hmm. it But I don't think he's quite in the Jordan stratosphere yet Uh, but he did become the sixth Canuck player in history to get to 100 points he's actually 101 right now but Rick Talkett wants collective Canuck milestones next season
2: obviously it's great I love that PD got it but you know it's better if we start having more team goals
17: This is actually the first time a Canuck has scored at least 100 points in a season since Daniel Sedin in 2010-2011.
0: Wow. Okay, also still to come, how a great sense of style plus social media savvy adds up to viral content for an Ontario math teacher.
17: All right, Squire is here with sports. What's happening, Squire? Well, I think um, if you think about it in some ways, it's kind of weird. The Canucks have missed the playoffs by as many points as they have. You had Andre Kuzmenko, a great year, 39 goals. That's a team record for most for a first-year player. Quinn Hughes right now tied for third as the highest-scoring defenseman in the entire NHL. JT Miller, a point-a-game guy this year. Not as many points as last year, but point-a-game nonetheless. And Elias Petterson became the sixth Canuck to reach 100 points. Now, if Thatcher Demko had not been hurt early in December, and obviously if the defense had been better, the Canucks had to play all those backups, some minor league goalies for a long stretch. Maybe things would have been different. Maybe Bruce Boudreaux would still be here. Whatever the case, Pettersson went from 68 points last year to 101 with one game to go. That's a huge jump, and he thinks he has even bigger numbers in him.
2: Yeah, I'd like to think so. Um, I was uh, striving to get better um, and evolving every day and um, every season. So, uh, very happy with what I've accomplished so far this year. But um, I always like to think I got another gear in me. When you don't make the playoffs, you, you look for little small victories and have a guy that gets 100 points is nice. Uh, but now, you know, we, we want team goals, you know, the team stats and stuff like that. That's what we. Obviously, it's great. I love that PD got it, but you know, it's better if we start having more team goals than the individual stats for me.
17: These four teams are at the bottom of the draft lottery. The Canucks of Arizona on Thursday. St. Louis is losing right now The Dallas 5-2 in the third. The Percentages in this region are not a lot different, but the Canucks could still move to any of these spots depending on what happens tomorrow, but I think they may actually end up being in St. Louis's position because I think Vancouver will beat Arizona tomorrow. I'm not sure if Detroit, Washington, or St. Louis will win their final games. Well, will Bo Horvat be in the playoffs with the Islanders if they win this game or at least get it to overtime against Montreal? They will. It's 1-1 when Hudson Fashing scores to make it 2-1 for New York. Of course, Montreal is a lottery team. And then Brock Nelson tips in Noah Dobson's shot. Now it's 3-1. And a late power play, and the Islanders will score here. Anders Lee with a deflection. So, the Islanders are in at the expense of the Penguins, who had made the playoffs 16 years in a row. That streak is now over. Well, speaking of playoffs, the Abbotsford Canucks are in the AHL playoffs. In fact, the first-round series, which is the best of three, all three of those games will be held in Abbotsford. The Abbey Canucks have home ice advantage, obviously. And that series would start on April 19th. They are finishing off the regular season this week at home against Calgary, which is the number one team in the American League. They'll play tonight, Friday, and Saturday. It's the right opponent to get Abbotsford ready for the postseason. Bounced
0: in behind. Nobody back at the point. Vancouver's still alive.
15: This was the last time professional hockey fans witnessed a playoff game in Vancouver. The Canucks beating the Calgary Flames in game five before falling to the Flames in six during the opening round of the 2015 playoffs. Yes, it's been that long, but come next week in Abbotsford, the minor Canucks begin the AHL playoffs on home ice for the first time in franchise history. It's
7: exciting, it's the best time of year, uh, you play all year, you work all year to be in this position and so we're excited. But uh, we got three games this week, uh, we're still, you know, there's positional, we're fighting for position but it's also individually, guys are, are battling for role, roster spot, you know, who's going to play game one, how's everything going to slot in. So uh, we're going to use this time as best we can to prepare because uh, it is a best of three. Things are going to happen quick, and we got to be ready.
15: Raffle with a shot. Scores! Abbotsford's put together a solid regular season campaign. They've been a top-four team in a very competitive Pacific Division, which not only bodes well for the playoffs, but also says a lot about the development and makeup
3: of this hockey team.
7: They're ready to work. The standard has been really high. Uh, little things that maybe you don't always notice if you just kind of show up and, and watch, like details we're looking for they do it and uh, we don't have to always remind them which is uh, says a lot about the group and uh, certainly here the last little bit like guys they know what's coming and so you can there's a little extra energy and I think just from here till next Wednesday it's only going to get better.
17: And the Raptors season is over Toronto lost its play in game play in game not 109-105 to Chicago.
0: Disappointing for sure. All right, thanks, Squire. Up next,
17: how
1: a Toronto teacher is becoming TikTok famous for her fashionable lessons.
0: Jordan Armstrong is standing by with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight. Jordan. Chris, we
5: will have more tonight from the family of Ethan Bestflag. He was the 17-year-old boy fatally stabbed on a Coast Mountain bus in Surrey last night. His aunt tells us he was a good kid, got good grades, and leaves behind four brothers and sisters. A lot of questions tonight about the safety of public transit, especially during the evening hours. Surrey RCMP are promising to step up their patrols around transit hubs. So we'll see if that
0: happens and have a full report at 11. Chris? All right, such a tragic story, but thank you very much, Jordan.
1: A Toronto area teacher is going viral on social media because of the unique style she brings to her classroom.
0: Her students noticed, convincing her to share her fashion tastes on TikTok. And as Gabriel Rosen shows us, she's using it to break traditional stereotypes and inspire kids.
6: Dressed in a timeless baby blue power suit, Zara Hassan looks like she could be strutting on a runway. But instead, the fashionista is stepping foot into a classroom full of eighth graders. All right, three and two and one. Okay, yesterday, Vishwa, what was the formula that we've learned?
17: I love fashion, uh, one of my inspirations. I've always loved making different outfits and just going to different thrift stores.
6: From sneakers to sweatshirts, Ms. Hassan's students quickly took notice of her unconventional yet hip attire and encouraged her to start a TikTok.
14: And me up,
6: <laughs> Some of her videos like this one have gone viral with more than a million views.
17: Teacher style doesn't have to be boring, right? And it doesn't have to be bland and you can also be creative. I got A great teacher for you.
6: Her TikTok is also filled with educational content. Not your average grade eight math teacher, she wants to break stereotypes and show kids they can be themselves. Lessons that can't be taught from the textbook. It's very nice to see that, like. Not all serious not all like teachers have to be like super serious and strict. I'm very lucky that I got Mrs. Hassan as one of my teachers. How many sides do you have here? While fashion is her art, Mrs. Hassan hopes she can also be an inspiration to Muslim students and children of color.
17: At the end of the day, I am a younger teacher um, and it shows students who look like me, hey, look at me, and I can still take up space like this.
6: That's actually a great way of explaining it though. Brittany Rosen, Global News.
1: Great teacher. Well done. Mm -hmm. All right. Very quick word on the weather, Christy.
18: Okay. So more cloud cover and a chance of showers tomorrow. Cooler as well. But we've got sunshine on Friday.
0: All right. Thanks very much. Thank you for watching, everyone. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Oh, no, I won't.
1: (laughs) Have a good day off, Chris.